Hello and welcome to From the North, a Masonic podcast, where three Master Masons and friends get together and talk about Lodge life and being better men. That's our slogan. That is our slogan. I thought I'd slip that in there. Um, Proud of you. Uh, thanks. I am AC Ransom, uh, Master Mason and Senior Steward here at Harmony Lodge number 21. And I am Gary Roberts. I am uh, the bearer of the stick Ugh. at Harmony Lodge. They won't let me in <laughs> to Harmony Lodge. <laughs> I have to pretend to guard the door. Uh, and then I am Jason Lee, Junior Deacon, and I am also present today. Very good. First time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is physically present, but mentally not. Listen, that's true, but that's okay. <laughs> and today we're going to... You're going to learn all about Gary in this one. Boy, you're you, for dear a listener, short podcast. <laughs> short podcast. You, dear listener, have requested and we have listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter Kez got to quit making requests. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the one view we're getting. That's the one view. <laughs> one view. Oh, it's from my 11-year-old daughter who is my greatest fan. As soon as she hears that, she will. Uh, she'll be calling up and denying it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a. We'll get a complaint on our website or something. Oh, we, I like, forgot we had that. I per- <laughs> <laughs> We haven't got one yet. No, we have one. That. Okay, so I figured, Jason, it'd be you ask a question, I ask a question. We'll just kind of we'll do our best to kind of swap off, and we know how we know how on topic we stay. So we'll see how this goes, Gary. Yeah, pray him for me. <laughs> So the question I, I kind of want to start all of these, uh, is the one I started with Kurt as well, is just like, I, w- I would love to just kind of hear like what you do uh, as an occupation, maybe a little bit, a brief history of what you have done as your occupation, any lessons you, you've learned from that, things you've taken from that into masonry, just kind of, I, I realize that's not a question, but uh, so much more is like, I, I just like to know about like what you do for a living. So I have had essentially three careers in my lifetime. I'm on my third. Um, I am currently a uh, product manager for communication and software products for the company I work for, which means I get to code and play and do uh, what you, what I really like to do, which is tinker with hardware, electronic hardware, which fits really well with my background because I'm a radio amateur, so I play with radios all the time. And they let me do it at work. They let me play for work, which is my dad always told me that uh, you should always find a job that's not work. Sure. Otherwise, it will become so, and you won't want to go. So I, I, that was, um, I'm currently in my third job, if you will, my third career. Um, I started out of high school or post-mission life. Um, working in IT and computers, database administrator, programmer, etc. I really liked what I did. I uh, worked with a great set of people. Uh, I was hired very luckily with no college experience, no college degree. Wow. Because um, <clears throat> I was stupid and didn't start college till later <laughs> in life. Uh, I just had a boss that believed in a philosophy that he liked farm kids, kids that 
he says knew how to work because they grew up on the farm, not realizing that I hated farming. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. So that was your in, but that, like... <laughs> that was my in. And, but he also found out that you know, I had bought my own computer at the time, and this is back in the... In the 486, 286, 386 era of computers. I'm going to say I know I what that means. So I'm this about, is like... I'm going to say I don't know what that so means. So this is back <laughs> in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Like floppy disk. Yeah, floppy disk era. See, the floppy, the that. last of the floppy disks. <laughs> the last okay. of the floppy disks. The small ones you could actually put in your back pocket, not the 14, 12-inch ones that you could buy and play with. That I actually had to work with later on in that, that job, too. But... <laughs> <clears throat> he hired me because I was just a farm kid and I was tinkering on my own computer. I had my amateur radio license at the time and I did my own bulletin board system over the radio. So back in the days, you would have these before the internet came out. Internet was just brand spanking new. Um, you would have these dial-up BBSs that would just give you these terminal screens and you could pass files back and forth and do little chat messages and things like that. And I had set up my own not having any formal computer training at all. Dang. Computers back in the day cost about $5,000 just for the just for the base part of the computer. So No wonder he's into Dungeons and Dragons these days. Yeah, like, that's not a surprise. Mm. I was surprised when you had said that you do Dungeons and Dragons, but like now I'm like, makes perfect sense. Like, that's, not, that's not surprising. Yeah, we played in high school, in middle school. We were supposed to be in this band class at lunch. <laughs> we play Dungeons and Dragons instead. As <laughs> kids, I love so. how. <laughs> I don't know, maybe this is my own perception, but like, I, so I was in band in, in junior high, but uh, the band kids were always like the nerdy kids, mm-hmm. and I love sure. how you skipped out on the nerdy thing to go do something even more nerdy. nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was me. And, and if you saw some pictures of me in high school, I was the nerd of nerds. Gasp, I had, now I want to. I know, right? <laughs> I had I had funky long half, half, uh, yeah. So I tried to keep a a Mormonish looking haircut, yet hide my long hair from my parents. What, <laughs> dude? That's what I did growing up. I had it just long enough to be like pushing the edge, but not getting lots of trouble. Yep. So yeah, I mean, up on top. I mean, this is back in the day when you know, as business on top, part in the back. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you get away with that. I kept it the top. Um, really okay. nice and tidy. I had a really great relationship with my grandmother who cut my hair every week, every month. And uh, I could always talk her into never touching the back. <laughs> so, so you social it, deviants. And it went for like two or three years that way until we oh went gosh. swimming at a family reunion up in Idaho, up at my uncle's house. He has a he has a swimming pool with natural hot water there. He has to cool oh, his cool. water. And uh, Whoa, it's an old hotel that he converted into a house for him and his wow. son, but it has this huge pool. And we were there swimming, and I come out of the pool, and my mom sees my hair down past my shoulder blades. <laughs> and that afternoon, I got a new haircut. <laughs> See, so the the pushing haircut for me was not a mullet. It was um like the Bieber haircut when he was like young and it was kind of like long and kind of like a shag but not quite mm-hmm. that's what I would push yeah yeah that's what my son's got right now it's corona hair corona corona, <laughs> it's <the> corona. <laughs> he's just like nobody can see so, me right now so I'm just gonna let it grow along so how did you transition from the nerdy stuff to doing your firefighter time because that's what you did before what you're doing now right that was your yeah. second career yeah so my second career was, was I first, worked full-time fire yeah. Um, my my first career was being an IT DBA programmer guy. So 
<clears throat> I actually worked in the same department as our junior warden did. I, oh, cool. I helped hire our junior warden. But uh, I'd been, uh, when I was 16 years old, I started uh, working with the Forest Service on fire camp crews. Um, so when you're 16, 17 year old, you can go work at these base camps for, or the incident camps for these huge wildland fires. And we would go do that and make tons of money during the summer. <clears throat> Things were slowing down in my regular work during the summer, so I'd go do that. And you'd be gone for 21 days and you'd come back with a five, $6,000 paycheck, Dang. which is a 16, 17 year old kid was a lot. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And uh, so I got hooked on fire, and I had an uncle and an aunt um, that were both volunteer firefighters. And I would uh, go out with my uncle on times and go fight fire with him. And then when I turned 18, I joined the local fire department, which you can still see that station there today. A lot of people pass it up there in Burn, um, not Burn, Idaho, up in Ovid, Idaho, on the Ovid corner. There's okay. that big lumber yard. You're going from Paris to Montpelier. That's on that mm -hmm. big That was your first turn. station? There's a, a little teeny shed in the back that's got a single fire <laughs> engine in the back, and that was my first fire station. So <laughs> I did that, and then when I moved down here, I joined one of the local city fire departments, and they paid for training and things like that. So I got firefighter certifications left and right, and I got to the point where it was like, I was, I was an <laughs> at my... Uh, full-time employment i had done th some very selfish things i was young and dumb let's put it that way um and quite arrogant and i got married i would started changing what i was uh, the, the way i was doing things i wasn't attending uh, my local congregation um, i decided to change things up i'd get serious about things i uh, found a girl we got married and um, I was still struggling from some of the repercussions for being young and dumb at work. Um, so, and I had all these certifications and I was like, it's time for a career change. Do something mm -hmm. different. Sure. And I started going back to school at the same time. And those certifications actually counted towards college credits. Oh, that's so cool. I, so I, I ran with it and uh, got a full-time job out in the Uinta Basin as their first uh, full-time fire person. Uh, do as a, a fire marshal and chief officer for the wow. for the basin district, which was that's a whole another mistake. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I jumped through the fire ranks too quickly. Sure, mm. I didn't start out as a firefighter. I started out as a chief officer. Um, I, there's a lot of lessons you need to learn as you go up through. So like, sure. like masonry, I mean, we start out as inert apprentices for a reason. We become fellow crafts for a reason. And then master masons, well, the fire service has the same thing. You start out as a firefighter for a reason, as a probie for a reason. And then you become an engineer operator. I'm sorry. Lieutenant, and then a, a probie? Chief, a probie, yeah. A probie? Probationary firefighter. Oh, okay. Probie. Boots. Okay. Boots kind of person. So I never had the probie experience outside that and there's a lot of lessons you learn about respect for other people and things sure. like that. So I went out there. I was full time out there for a while. I got the, my wife hated it out there because it's a rough crowd out in the basin. Okay. Um, because the oil field brings a whole different uh, crowd with it. She wanted to get back here. She's from here, and a chief's position opened up here. I applied for it uh, with some heavy competition and won it um, because I was the outsider. Even though I oh. had been in the program here before. And that was kind of what was appealing to 
uh, the county executive was that I knew about the system, but I hadn't been part of it for the last two or three years. So I came back here, was fire chief for a long time, um, and then retired out of that. And then now I'm in my current job, but I learned a lot of lessons through that experience. Sure. Um, uh, having, having, uh, grown up, I would do it differently. I would have started out on a full-time department as, as a regular firefighter and worked my way up through the ranks instead of going in as a chief officer like I did. There's just a lot of lessons you learn as you work your way up. I believe it. Through the things. And, and I got my butt kicked because I didn't learn those lessons, which has made me a better employee in the current job I am. The president of the company that was there um, when I first worked, in the IT department. I'm now back with that same company and, and now I work in marketing. But uh, the president of the company, he questioned the guy that hired me, you really want him back? <laughs> and the guy that hired me didn't know. And uh, I actually ran into that president. He's he's our retired president now. But he's like, you're a different person. And I just go, well, I, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way at, uh, towards the end of my fire service career. Sure. So that's my jobs. That's where I am. That's where I've been. And now I get to hang out with you guys. It's the journey. I get my Saturdays back now because I'm not in the fire service anymore. We're glad you had your Saturdays. Well, I'm glad you went through that because I've always, um, I've never seen, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen the connection between being fire chief to your current job. I've never understood (laughs) that. (laughs) But now now that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, imagine I play with radials on both sides. Oh, I'm sure you do. All right, your question. Questions to AC. Uh, I asked the last one about... No, I did. I said, what's your job? No, and then I asked the question of, like, so how in the world did you switch to the firefighter stuff? Oh, but I know you have a question you want to ask. Well, yes, but that's gonna be, that was going to be later when we were on to the, ma- the masonry stuff. Okay, so I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, Gary, why did you become a mason? Why did I become a mason? <laughs> That was very smooth as <laughs> you laugh at your own question. <laughs> no, but seriously. Uh, so not, so instead of your job career, now it's your Masonic career. So tell us about that. Uh, I've always had an interest in masonry. What does that mean, I've always had an interest in masonry? Because of the mysterious aspect of Freemasons. Okay, so you haven't had like family members or anything? Mm, I haven't had any family members that are, that are Masons. Uh, nobody that I've known personally was a Mason. First exposure to it was uh, when I was 19 years old, living in Ocala, Florida. Uh, I had a mission companion that was, ooh, it's the Masons. And we would drive past the Mason Lodge there, which was fairly sizable in Ocala. They had this beautiful, beautiful neon blue sign out in front of the building. The, the square and compasses and the G is as tall as me embedded in, in cinder block ooh, out wow. in front of their building. And the lot size is about that their Masonic temple is on <clears throat> is just one building in the middle of the block. Wow. So kind of like the, the tabernacle God, is, yeah. but a smaller building. That's cool, though. Uh, here in Logan. So I got really interested um, from some of the things that he started telling me. And then uh, a few areas later, a few transfers later, I was in Jacksonville and met a member of the LDS Church who was a member of the bishopric, and for people who are not LDS, that's just one of the leaders of the local congregation that were in. And I asked him about the ring. He says, I'm a Freemason, and 
He, but he wouldn't answer a lot of questions about it. I mean, he would be, I would ask him questions like, you know, is it compatible with being a member of the LDS church? And he was like, oh yeah, it's totally compatible. He was an awesome member. He's the one I was telling you about that, that would play the, had the grand piano in his house. And, oh yeah. And uh, uh, also his full-time job was playing for the local Baptist church. Which is super cool. Playing the organ for the local Baptist church. Which was good. Fun to hear. He was a great guy. I mean, a, for a model citizen, you could not find a nicer person ever. He left an impression on me. And uh, then I left. And so I would, uh, over the years, I would hear and I'd renew my interest and go look in and read about it a little bit. But, and I always wanted to go look and investigate. When I first lived here in Logan and uh, in my single days, I came and visited the lodge. Um, they used to have these Saturday meet and greets. They'd come have donuts with the Masons. Ooh. So I popped in at one of those. And we should do that again just for the donuts. I think we should too. <laughs> just for the donuts. And come and, and, and talk to him. I think that's the first time I met George Winters. Mm. And then I didn't do anything for a while. Got married, left, came back, and then I visited again. Um, and then they were having dinners at Angie's <laughs> as their meet and greet. So that was a cool, cool thing. And that's... Step up a little bit. <laughs> where I, I met uh, Worshipful Snyder. I wasn't ready to commit yet because I was fully involved in scouting. And family was still pretty young. I was very involved in the LDS church. I just didn't have the time. And when, and I knew enough about masonry to know that when I committed, I wanted to be full in. And sure. I wanted to be able to commit the time correctly or not do it at all. And so that's why it took me a while to finally, finally jump on board. And then when I got in, it wasn't anything like I'd been told it was. So talk about that then. Tell me, what were you told it was and what was that difference? So I was told that there was this super secret organization that they had, that, that it was full of very, very ambitious men. So I was told the same thing. Keep going. That uh, had each other's backs and that you, if you became a Mason, that you would become part of the city's elite. The super <laughs> secret elite. That so, might be true some places. It says Fire yeah, Chief Gary Roberts. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and there was all these secrets surrounding it and things like that, and they're super mysterious. But when I came here, it, it's different than that. Better than that. Um, define better than that, if you would. Define better than that? Yeah. It's not... In my mind, I had it. It was wrapped around these egos and being and controlling society kind of deal, mm. and that was what I thought Freemasons did. And it's not that. It's it's us trying to become better. Everybody meeting on the level, regardless of what you do for a living or what your station is in life. Everybody's equal, and they're just trying to become better people instead of trying to make people bow to our will. Which, in my mind, I don't know why that was, but it was always there. It's part Dude, of... Dude, I'm going to become a superstar! Well, we know what Gary wanted. <laughs> Come, you know what? <laughs> Came for the power, stayed for the donuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's That's almost that. Kurt's story, too. <laughs> Taco. Kurt was like, Tacos. yeah, he's like, Tacos. I showed up and there was food. <laughs> um, oh, and he, as you can tell, for people who aren't on the podcast... I am uh, 
about nine months long and have been for several years. You retired from the fire service where I had to be physically in shape um, because of the wildland firefighting requirements well, where sorry. I was thin and buff and then moved to a desk job. And now I've become a well-rounded individual. <laughs> um, oh, no, it's cool. it's cool that you say that uh, because I think that is a very common perception of masonry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, again, it was definitely my my perception coming in. I, I also thought I would see a bunch of ambitious, super ambitious people and I, I hate to say it, I was almost disappointed uh, that like we they were, were all politicians. Well, they were just <laughs> me that night. <laughs> they, they were just regular people. I was just like, what the? What is this malarkey? Yeah, good men from all stations. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't know they were good men at the time. They were just they just seemed dudes. like these are not ambitious people. So that's interesting. I'm glad we we share that. Um, AC, it's your turn though. Did I steal your question? No, no, no. no. Okay. The one question I was going to ask after this, he already answered about. Because every mason I've talked to has a story of how they came to the lodge, investigated, went away for a few years, and then came back and joined. And my question like to ask people is, Actually, what I have... was that difference? Yeah, well, and, and, but you already answered your question of just time, mostly. Right. It, it was it was a time commitment. And then also when I came back, I was, I was having a, if you will, a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been studying my religion at that point, and had learned some things that had dissuaded me. Plus the way that they were separating um, from the, the BSA hurt me pretty bad because I love the BSA program. Mm-hmm. I needed, I needed something to fill, fill uh, that ritual part of my life. <clears throat> and also I had been out of the fire service for a while. And when you're in the fire service, there is a brotherhood there because you're in the trenches with each other. You, you go from, um, sitting in your chair to running 110 miles an hour with your stress level pegged through the roof in a matter of seconds when that pager goes off. And uh, it is very much a feeling like uh, soldiers have out in the field uh, during war. You know, I've heard that about firefighters. <clears throat> and uh, you create a bond with your fellow firefighters that is a lifetime bond until you leave the fire service. When when you retire, you're kind of put out the pasture, and you don't hear from those guys anymore. Really? Um, You think that, like... Different departments handle it differently. It's kind of like lodges handle it differently. But, I mean, some of the big organizations, like in the central part of our state, in the the north central part of our state, and I'm saying that with my little fingers because they call themselves northern Utah, and they're nowhere near northern (laughs) Utah, handle their retired firefighters. They're they're treated just like they're still full-timers, and they call up on each other and all that kind of stuff. Not up here. And also kind of the way that I left, there needed to be that break. But uh, I I, I miss that brotherhood feeling. And having come into masonry and I had that hook in with Kurt already, there was a brotherhood and a bond here that I was able to associate with that helps fill that hole. That's cool. And I think that's what a a lot of people are looking for when they come into masonry. Yeah. Uh, Because whether, I mean... Again, like you're saying, like you get that experience as like soldiers, you get it to some degree. Uh, when I was a missionary out in the field, right? Like, if I saw another missionary for whatever reason, like I knew that like they had my back and I had theirs, and like we're both just we have like this camaraderie, even if we don't necessarily like each other, we're still both missionaries. Uh, and that's again that kind of carries over into masonry. Uh, even if you don't, you don't have to like each other, but you're both still masons. Right. Um, so that's cool. That's nope. cool. And I think guys, I think guys have a more intense need for that bond 
I agree. Than than the ladies do. And I think we have a hard time showing it too. Right. Uh, I think I think it's traditional (laughs) that like and again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but just I think it's traditional that like a guy should be able to just do everything on his own. Doesn't need anybody. He's perfectly a hundred percent a million times independent. And like that's just not what human beings are, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we need uh, we we need each other. And masonry is a good way to get that camaraderie, to get that needing each other without having to like go fight fires, man. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, which right now I couldn't do that. Walk five cents up the side of a hill and then be huffing a puddle. <laughs> five cents. Five steps. Oh. Five cents. That's. I meant to say five steps, but my brain, my mouth, sometimes don't work. That's okay. We have five. We have more than five human senses, but five yeah, cents. There you go. Cents. Good. The problem is Gary's answers are so dynamic. He answers so like many questions, questions with one answer. Like I was going to ask, um, well, basically when you're talking about your experience with masonry, you answered several questions in there that could have been asked. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also more curious about like your journey as a mason, right? So like when you were talking about. Your, you know, your time with fire, your time with, with computers and whatnot. Uh, you talked about a number of lessons that Ooh, uh, yeah. you, you had learned from, from your career. And that's definitely interesting, and, and I'd love to talk about that more. But uh, specifically, I'd like to know, like, uh, what have you learned as a mason? Like, what has masonry actually brought to your life? How has it changed you? Um, and if it's not, then, like, that's fine, too. Right, right. Well, <laughs> I think, you know, we're accepting it, 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 all answers. It's true, it's true. <laughs> But don't answer that way. It is funny that you say that because <laughs> as a Mason, I think I have had my eyes open more to uh, being accepting of different views than I ever have in the past. That there is no right side, wrong side to, to every issue. <clears throat> I can be... It's okay, and I don't have to get upset if somebody else doesn't like the exact same things or do or think the exact same way that I do. I'm actually finding, and I haven't been a Mason maybe, what, a year and a half? I'm about a year and a half. Out. <clears throat> I'm finding that I'm quite enjoying uh, listening to those differing opinions. Sure. Um, it's, that's, that's the one thing that, that coming to here does because there's everybody, there's multiple people that come from different, uh, different lifestyles and different backgrounds, and all of us have uh, a different history, and all of it is is rich. And I'm starting to learn and glean from that richness, uh, richness, and and finding ways that I can absorb that and and try to make myself better. Once the once different becomes not bad, you learn a lot. I think that's that's the big step right there. Is that being different is not bad. I love that uh, your Masonic experience has been learning from people. Like, I, I love that that's uh, the big takeaway from Masonry because it really is. That's that's one of the awesome things about Masonry is you have so many different diverse people, so many people from... That's, that's why I like my first question being, uh, what job do you have? Because there's such a big background. It just happens that... Kurt and Gary have like very similar jobs, very similar but outside of those two, like right. everybody, it's very diverse. <laughs> of course, the two we pick, but uh, but no, it's 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 a lot of different backgrounds, and the fact that like that's been the most valuable thing is learning to look at other people's opinions and experiences and then learn from that, and like that's that's amazing. That's something that I genuinely believe is hard to find in any other organization, and 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 I'm glad you pointed that out because that that's a solid answer. 
And I think one of the, the, the other things that I really enjoy about masonry is as a whole, there's always a push to learn. Yeah. I mean, you can go through, and that's, I got my deuce card at the beginning of the year. It's the first deuce card I've ever had. <laughs> and uh, I took the opportunity to go to as many lodges as I could because every degree, every ritual that I went through, I would learn something different. Yeah. I'd have my eyes open to something else. I love having that experience. That's why I love to go into those degrees. And now that we have Corona, this this is about as yeah, this, this is, is this is how I'm getting it now. I'm being pushed to go learn. And when I have discussions with you guys, I I you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. There are things now that I'm going to go home and I want to look that up. I want to read about that. Mm-hmm. I want to find out more about that. No, that's super cool. Thank you for that for that answer. I know you, I know you want to keep these with it, like in that thirty minute range, and we're pushing up against that. So I, yeah. I just kind of as a as a closer here, um, is there is there anything else that you just want to talk about, or like anything that, that you just want to I, do? You, I mean, you can get on a soapbox if you want and preach. You can, uh, can do it. Like if that's what you want to do, I just kind of want to like this maybe this last thing to be like if if there's anything else that you just kind of want to talk about, Masonic, maybe not Masonic. Maybe your family, maybe your work, maybe your... It doesn't matter. Uh, I just want to make sure you have that opportunity. No, the one thing that I'm uh, really appreciative of is uh, my lady, and I love how we use that word. Mm. Um, I'm thankful for uh, Worshipful Snyder for sharing that with me his first time, or he was the first one to share that with me. Um, She has been very accepting of my changes, um, they're not changes that she's always agreed with, but, uh, she has supported my, my efforts with faith change and, and, and what I do now here in Lodge, if she ever hears this, I don't know if she will or not, uh, just want her to know how much she is appreciated. So, but with that, um, for those that are, uh, wanting to learn about masonry or thinking about becoming a mason, if you do it, make sure you get in all the way. Don't Agreed. do it. Half tushed. Half tushed. Gary. Okay. Half tushed. Half tushed. <laughs> Gary, that was a great last answer. Yeah, I think that's a perfect as, way to answer. As always, you answered with nobility and charm. Charm. I had another word. Grace. Didn't Perhaps. swear. Aplomb. Debauchery. <laughs> Debauchery. <laughs> it was a very good answer. Just a very good answer. Nobility and class is the word I was going mm, for. You answered with nobility one. and class, and you always do. Thanks for. Taking, well, you're always here with us, Gary, but thanks for allowing us <laughs> to focus on you. I know it's not fun to be on the spotlight. No, it is the one subject I know a lot about. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to have it over with so I don't have to do anything. <laughs> oh, you think that's the only time we're doing this? <laughs> Uh, Gary, so part two. Um, but yeah, thank you, Gary, for uh, for for willing to kind of submit to our questions here, and thank everybody, thank you to everybody, I should say, for for listening, for for going with us today as we met a Mason and Gary Roberts. Um, and yeah, we hope to hear, we hope to have you around next week. Thanks so much. See you around. The host of the From the North podcast for providing this podcast as a public service and for their own selfish motives. It is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of any Grand Lodge, local lodge, or any Masonic body, or Freemasonry in general. Any reference to any specific product, subject, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or a recommendation. The rantings, tomfoolery, and views expressed by the guests and the hosts are their own, 
and their appearance on the program does not apply any endorsement of them, any grand or local lodge, or any entity they represent.